Welcome to the Revival B-Blogging Podcast. We welcome you and we thank you for joining us today. We're going to look at the epistles of Paul. We're going to learn a little bit today about the cultural context and a little bit about what the idea of this book is all about. And then we're going to look at chapter one. But before we begin, let's open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I honor you for all that you do. I ask that you penetrate our hearts and minds, open it up our hearts and minds through the Holy Spirit and speaking to us as we dig into your word and learn exactly what you want us to learn. I thank you for all that you do and all that you are. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at a little bit of uh, uh, cultural context when it comes to this book of Romans to get a better understanding of what God's message was through Paul through this book. And so we're going to look at chapter one and we're going to break chapter one down as best as we can and allow the Holy Spirit to to work through us as the whole Bible communicates the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ and talks about Jesus' life and ministry, the book of Romans articulate the message in a more symptomatic and technical way. The book of Romans is rich in theology and teaches and communicates the ins and outs of how a person is redeemed, transformed, sealed, and sanctified for that day when we all stand in front of the Lord. The book of Romans explains that salvation is received by grace through faith, and it articulates the foundation of Christian belief, explaining how the good news of salvation has been made available through the death on the cross and is actually and how it actually is worked out uh, through the Holy Spirit work in us. The book of Romans focus more on God's great plan of redemption. So let's let's go ahead and, and, and talk about who wrote this book. Now, we know that Paul wrote this book. He's the author of this book. And a little fun fact about Paul is that he has written 13 books. If you include the book of Hebrew, that would take his total up to be 14 books that he contribute to uh, God's uh, inspired word. Okay. And so we know that Paul is the author of this book and he has been a Christian preacher when he wrote this book for 20 years. He's been preaching and he's been planting churches all over for about 20 years. And at this time, Paul was in the city of Corinth on his way to Jerusalem and he has spent about three to four months in the city of Corinth without any duties. So this was a good time to write ahead of time to the Christians in Rome as this church he wanted to visit, but not yet got the chance to. The book of Romans was written between A.D. 52 through 58. And some scholars put this to be written in AD 57. It was written to the believers. Most of them were Gentiles in the city, the capital city of the Roman Empire. 
Now, Paul wrote to introduce himself to the believers in Rome and to answer or to, to, to ask for help in spreading the gospel. He also wrote to develop and defend the truth of the gospel message he had been preaching. He also encouraged the Roman believers to rely only on God's grace for the salvation, helping them to understand how people can be made righteous and live transformed lives through Christ. And we have to remember that Paul hasn't visited Rome yet. And so there was a, a build up there, right? The people in Rome feel as if they wasn't good enough. Okay. And, and so because of this, Paul had to make something very, very good. And so Paul wrote about the redemption of, 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 of our life. How do we become redeemed? Okay. And so, uh, what we will look for in this message, in this, in this book of Romans, the major theme is the grace and righteousness and justification going through. When we go through this book, that is what we're going to look for. Paul builds and finds a foundation of the gospel that comes by grace through faith in the first 11 chapters. And then the, well, let me take that back. The first one through eight is basically a explanation, right? This is where we get our education from, where we understand. And then secondly, he gives the practical applications of how we are supposed to live. And I believe that is the, the order of importance because uh, people may put knowledge over experience or experience over knowledge. But anytime that we read the word of God, we see that knowledge come before experience. We want to know and be able to understand so we can uh, be wise on applying these things to our life. And so we're going to look at the first chapter of Romans, the first chapter of the book of Romans. I got my Bible open. So um, you guys go ahead and get your Bibles open. We're going to read uh, the first seven verses and then we will talk about it. Now, I got my Bible open in my notes uh, that I created before time. So let's go ahead, and dig deep into it. So the very first thing that we see, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he had promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, who has who was a descendant of David, according to the flesh. Verse four, and was appointed to be the powerful son of God, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. Verse seven. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God, our father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul begins chapter one by identifying himself as a bondservant 
of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Now, the idea behind the word bondservant is complete and utterly devotion to Jesus Christ. That means to be completely sold out to Christ, which was the normal condition of a slave. And so just like a slave, he's not free only to do what his master tells him. And so Paul is identify himself as a slave, only doing what Jesus Christ have called him to do. And he has been called to be an apostle. Okay. And now the idea behind to the idea behind apostle is that you are a special ambassador or messenger of Christ. The message that Paul was spreading is the gospel, the good news of God. So Paul established that he has been set apart to spread the gospel as an apostle, as in a messenger, as in ambassador. And that message that Paul was spreading was not from him and it wasn't made up. The message came from God in heaven. OK. And now because he says that which he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ. And then Paul gives him the descendants, uh, tells us the descent that Jesus is a descendant of David, clarifying that he is the Messiah. OK, clarifying that he is who he say he is. Now, this gospel is not new and it's not a clever invention of human, but Paul uh, world was much like ours with people that like new teachings and doctrines. But this gospel wasn't something new, but something very old. And after Paul introduced himself, he told the Roman citizens that he desired to come to Rome. OK, and in, in, in verse eight, verse eight through 15, it says, first, I thank my God, through Jesus Christ, for all of you, because of the news of your faith, is being reported in all the world, God in my witness, when who I who I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his son, that I consistently mention you, also asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you. That is to be mature, encouraged by each other's faith, by yours and mine. Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often plan to come to you, but was prevented until now in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated both to the Greek and the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish, so that I am eager to preach the good news to you also who are in Rome. And so Paul is just saying, hey, I haven't visited you guys. I was prevented from vi from visiting you. Um, I was doing the call that God had on my life, but 
I really want to come and see you so I can give you spiritual gifts and to strengthen you. And so uh, God, so Paul is writing this letter to the Roman Empire that he has not visited yet. Now, the thing in, in, in Romans 1, 16 through 17, it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes first to the Jews and also to the Greeks. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, this <clears throat> is what Paul thesis statement is for the entire book of Romans. In fact, the entire Bible is all about that the power of God is through the salvation, is through the, the gospel that brings salvation. Paul tells us that he is not ashamed of the gospel. This shows his heart, especially in the city like Rome. Some might be embarrassed by a gospel that is centered around a crucified savior that was embraced by the lowest class of people. But for Paul, he is not ashamed. Okay. And if you knew the culture context back then, this cultural the Rome that, that, that everyone thought that God was, Jesus was going to come uh, fighting and as a military leader. Okay. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel that is centered around a crucified savior because he knew that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is the power of God. The city of Rome in particular boasts about knowing all about power. It was the central location of the whole Roman empire. But regardless of all the power they had in Rome, they were like anyone else. They were powerless to make themselves righteous before God. So this gospel is the power of God because it brought salvation to everyone who believes. Now, God will not withhold salvation from anyone who believe, but believing is the only requirement. Because believing in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. And this revelation of God's righteousness comes to those who has faith. As you read, the righteous will live by faith, right? In verse 17, for it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteousness will live by faith. So it is essential to understand what the righteousness of God revealed by the gospel is. It does not speak of the holy righteousness of God that condemns the guilty sinners, but of the God kind of righteousness that is given to the sinners who put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation. The righteousness in Greek means justify. So if God justifies a sinner, it doesn't mean that he finds reason to prove that he was right, nor does it even mean that at this point that he makes the sinner a good man. But it means that God 
treats the sinner as if he had never sinned at all. The righteousness, which is upon justification, is one characterized by the perfection belonging only to God and what he is and who he is and what he does. So this faith or this trust in God uh, in Jesus Christ becomes the base of life for those who are justified. So the sinner is not only saved by faith, but they live by faith. Okay. In verse 10 through 24. Okay. To save us some time, I'm not going to read all of it, but it talks about the righteousness uh, of uh, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the human race and the human race deserves the wrath of God. Most people believe that the wrath of God is equal to human anger or it is motivated by selfish personal reasons or by desire for revenge. But we must not forget that the wrath of God in itself is righteousness and character. So Paul earlier speaks about that we are saved, but what are we saved from? It's the wrath of God that we deserve and what we are saved from. The human race is guilty before God because of our ungodliness and unrighteousness. Okay, this ungodliness is a man's offense against God. And this unrighteousness is referred to this sin of man against man. So ungodliness is our offenses against God. When we sin against God, when we disobey God, when we do not acknowledge God for who he is and us being unrighteous is when we sin against our brothers and sisters. So we get to experience the wrath of God because we do not acknowledge God as being the alpha and omega. We do not respect him as being our creator. And we are unrighteousness because we continue to sin against each other. Paul explains that we suppress the truth of God because we go against, we fight against, we disregard the truth about God. In Romans 1, chapter 1, it, it, it also talks to us about that we have no reason to suppress the truth. Because his invisible attributes are clearly seen. God showed us by his eternal power and divine nature through creation by the things that are made. But the problem is not that man do not know God, but man refused to glorify him as God. So, so man is without excuse because instead of glorifying God, we transform our ideas of God in, in forms of images, and we are more comfortable to uh, worship these things. And this corrupts our hearts. It corrupts our minds. Paul goes on to say, therefore, God also give them up into a unclean and basically they're unclean, debased mind and heart, right? And this righteousness, this wrath 
and judgment, God gives man up to sin of our evil heart and desires, allowing us to experience this self-destruction resulting in sin. God gives us over to a debased mind so that our disgraceful and sickening are accepted and approved by our culture. The word debased means that which has not stood the test. Okay, it was used of a coin that were below standard and therefore rejected. The idea that since man did not approve to know God or to acknowledge God, they come to have an approved mind. So while we rebel against God, it is not only displayed in our actions, but in our thinking. We are genuinely spiritually insane in our rebellions against the Father. Okay? And that concludes the first chapter of the book of Romans. So let's just do a summary. Paul established him of being a bond servant, that he is an apostle, that he's set apart, right? Ambassador is someone set apart with a mission. That mission was to carry the gospel to the Gentile world because that's the particular mission that God gave Paul. And so Paul is doing that. But he tells us that what he is doing is not something that is new, right? That this is this is through the prophets have already been talked about. Okay. And then he goes on to talk about in, in verse eight that he hasn't uh visit Rome, but he's planning on visit Rome and he wanted to visit Rome, but he was prevented. Okay. And then he gives us our thesis statement when he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews and also to the Greek, for it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteousness will live by faith. So what he's saying is that that this gospel, which is the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, it's the work that Christ did on the cross, is all the things that we get because of this faith. The salvation comes in our faith that Jesus did what he did for us. Okay. And this is, uh, 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 we receive this faith and now we can believe. And this is what the power of God is. It transforms lives. Okay. When you know that you are what you are saved from, uh, why you are saved from you have nothing else but to transform. Okay. And so this is done by faith. And not only are we saved by faith, but the righteous will live by faith. Now, this righteousness is a righteousness that is God. God is righteousness. Okay. Now he goes on in verse 18 and tells us that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against us because we don't acknowledge God as creator. Okay. First of all, that we continue to sin against God, that we suppress the truth uh, about God. And because of this, uh, we will not have no excuse because his invisible attributes are seen through the creation 
of the world. And so we are going to be without excuse. Okay. And then he goes on to tell us that, that our thinking and, uh, uh, the way that we think and the way that our lives was, or he gives us over to a robust mind that he does not control our will. He does not force us to submit to his will. Okay. And it says, therefore, God delivered them over to the desires of their heart. And he talks about women being with women and men being with men as one of are some of the consequences of us going against God, rejecting God. Okay. And so he, he goes on to talk about uh, the depravity of the mind and the poverty of the heart. Okay. And it's all because of that. We don't acknowledge God and that we don't have faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, guys, that is my time next week. Uh, next episode will we will be looking at chapter two and we will do a little quick summary like we did today. And then once we get to chapter four, uh, when it talks about and go in depth of this faith, we will start to look at line by line and reading a little bit more. And so I'm planning on going through this whole book, which is probably going to be probably six months of work. But I think that is going to be really helpful for those who uh, really wants to learn about God's truth through the book of Romans. And we will also be looking at other epistles uh, within the year. Hey, guys, uh, I want to personally invite you guys to our brand new revival Bible study. Right now, we are in this series of the battle of the mind. Okay, that we are in this war, this invisible war that affects us personally, that affects us in our family life, that affects us, our community and affects us in our church. It's this war that is being waged against us because we believe in God and we don't live in God's kingdom just yet. And so uh, how do we defend ourselves from the enemy's attack? How do we guard ourselves from the enemy's attack? And so I invite you every Tuesday, if you're on the south side of Minneapolis, to meet me at uh, 502 South Madison at the Vineyard Community Church of Greenwood upstairs. Anyone can come. Uh, anyone is available. It's an opportunity for you to get plugged into community and begin to love on each other and learn and have that accountability uh, with you. And so I invite you to our Bible study. It's every Tuesday at seven o'clock. We will have food. We will have worship. We will have devotion time, fellowship time, or however you want to call it. And we will be digging in the word of God. Until next time, guys, you guys be blessed. Thank God and I love you.